Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be breaking down the Thursday, February 23rd slate of college basketball DFS. We got a nice eight-game slate on DraftKings and a six-game slate on FanDuel. For some reason, FanDuel loves the Pac-12. I don't know why. But anyway, um, we got slates going on on both sides. A lot of guys in action, a lot of solid plays, a lot of guys that we got to talk about here as we preview this slate. Now, let you guys know a little bit of a schedule update. Um, still plan on recording tomorrow night for the Friday night college basketball episode. That one will probably be a little bit more mid-major themed, um, with looking at the games that are coming up on Friday. And then I will record on Friday, the preview for the Saturday slate, the big one, um, where DraftKings is probably going to be having a lot of big time contests. So make sure you keep a lookout for that. If you want to be notified when new episodes drop, hit that subscribe button. It really helps me out a lot. And if you like what you're hearing, rate and review the podcast as well. I'm trying to become the biggest college basketball daily fantasy podcast on earth, and I can only get there with you guys' help. All right, so that's what we got going on the rest of the week. Let's talk about what we got Thursday night. But first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. All right, so looking at the slate as a whole, in terms of the games themselves, we got a lot of games that appear to be pretty close matchups, a lot of tight point spreads. However, we don't exactly have a whole lot of high scoring games. There's not a lot of teams in this slate, or I guess on this slate, I should say, that push the tempo and are going to get up and down and are going to create high scoring games. It's not like the Wednesday night slate where we had Wake Forest and NC State or, you know, a slate earlier this week where we had Miami and Virginia Tech playing. Like, there's not a game like that that we know is going to get up and down for sure. Now, the game that has the highest total on the DraftKings slate is Memphis at Wichita. It is the highest total of the night at 145. Ken Palm has it as Memphis 75 to 70. That is keeping in track with the Vegas total. The previous matchup between these two teams was 88 to 78 in favor of Memphis. Now, one thing that is very important for this game is the health of Memphis superstar Kendrick Davis. I don't think Memphis pushes the tempo as much if he is out of the game. Um, he is a guy that can help push the tempo, and he is an absolute bucket getter. He um, really helps that Memphis offense go in, in every way. And we had a weird little saga with him for about an hour on Sunday where for the Houston game, he was out there warming up and shoot around, and so everybody thought he was going to play. And then he came back out in a walking boot and didn't play. And so I don't really know like what the probability is of him playing or not, but it's definitely a situation to monitor all the way up until tip-off. The good news is that is a 7 p.m. tip, and so you should have news on whether or not he's playing before the slate locks, which is absolutely what we want to see. Now, the highest total of the night that is on the FanDuel slate, because Memphis and Wichita is not on the FanDuel slate, is Penn State at Ohio State. It's 142.5. Ken Palm has that one actually a little higher as 75 to 72 Ohio State state. Now, what is relevant to know is that Zed Key will miss this game for the Ohio State Buckeyes. He is out for the season. And I'll be honest, I don't really know the exact math behind Ken Palm enough to know whether or not he's factoring that into this game that Zed Key is going to be out. So um, just kind of take that number with a little grain of salt. And the point spread Ohio State is one and a half point favorites. So definitely... I definitely think this is still one we can target given that it is over 140. The only other game over 140, and this one is on FanDuel as well, is USC at Colorado. The total in that one's 141. Ken Palm has this game as Colorado 72 to 69. The previous meeting, though, was not this high scoring. It was 68 to 61 in favor of USC. Um, so that one would definitely be placed third on the list, in my opinion. 
All right, so let's go ahead and talk about the guard position. So the highest priced guard on the slate is Jalen Pickett of Penn State. He's all the way up at 11,000 on DraftKings, 9,200 on FanDuel. So personally, I think he's kind of a steal on FanDuel. Um, I think there's definitely less value to be had on this FanDuel slate. Usually there's more value to be had on FanDuel slates in general, but I still think that that price tag on Pickett, you're not gonna have to like super thin out your lineup to go play him on FanDuel. Anyway, talking about DraftKings, he needs 44 points to hit four times value. And I think he can do that. He has over 50 fantasy points in three of his last seven games. Now, the trend to notice here is that he does much better in wins than losses. In Penn State's last three wins, J1 Pig is averaging 56 fantasy points per game. A little bit bigger sample size in the last four losses, Jaywin Pickett is averaging 33.2 fantasy points per game. So you're looking at a situation here where I don't know whether it's the chicken or the egg, if Penn State wins because Jaywin Pickett goes off, or if you know Penn State winning allows Jaywin Pickett to go off. But either way, he does much better and wins. That's the stat I can present to you. The rest is for you to determine. Now, what I can also present to you is the fact that Penn State is currently a one and a half point underdog in this game. That's not a massive point spread, but it's definitely not like this is going to be a runaway victory for the Nittany Lions. So I definitely think Jaywin Pickett, definitely worth a look. If Penn State wins the game, I think he does have a big performance. Jaime Jaquez Jr. for UCLA, dual eligibility guy as well. Um, he is starting to stabilize a little bit with his salary. We talked about last week how he just has this super erratic game log where he either gives you like two times value or like five times value. He's starting to stabilize just a little bit. And in his last three games, he's had five times, four times, and 3.5 times value for his current salary. Like, that's pretty legitimate. Like, that's about, that means he's about priced where he should be, if we're being honest. And his usage rate has been really high also. He's been over 30% usage in his last three games. Now, what's also important to note is that UCLA has scored over 70 points in their last three games. They haven't really been challenged a whole lot in those three games. And they're projected to score 68 in this one against Utah, which makes sense because they scored 68 last time against Utah. And in that game, Jaime Jaquez had 33 fantasy points. So I don't think this is necessarily the best spot for Jaquez on the schedule, but I don't mind going to him, especially the fact that he gets dual eligibility. If we're talking pure guards, I would probably rather pay up for Pickett or pay down for the next guy that we're going to talk about instead of playing Jaquez at 10K. Matthew Mayer, dual eligibility guy, just like Jaquez is the guy that I would be willing to pay down for. In my opinion, he is a lineup lock if Terrence Shannon Jr. is out. And given that he hasn't cleared concussion protocol yet, recording this on a Wednesday night and the news today was that he was still in the protocol, is, you know, I, I don't think he plays this game. And so I'm pretty much going to lock Mayer in at either the guard or the forward spot. I don't, I don't know which one yet, but I'm going to lock him in at one of the two if Shannon is out. He's averaging 42 fantasy points per game in the last two games that Terrence Shannon Jr. has missed. And he had 34.3 fantasy points last time against Northwestern and that was with Terrence Shannon Jr. in the lineup so if he gets that boost he's easily going to hit you four times value. Now USC has kind of hit two ridiculous point totals in their last two games which has allowed Drew Peterson and Boogie Ellis to both go off and I'll be honest I just don't see that happening against a Colorado team who's ranked 18th in the nation in defense according to Ken Palm and so I'm probably going to pass on Peterson and Ellis. I definitely think that they're intriguing plays but I think there's better plays out there. Wichita's Craig Porter Jr. is one of those plays. He excels in up-tempo games, and this one should be an up-tempo game, given that Memphis is 14th in the nation in tempo, according to Ken Palm, and they're even more likely to push it if Kendrick Davis is active. You like that little segue there from the USC guys that Craig Porter, I, I thought that was a good job. Anyway, heading down to the 7K range. So Rutgers' Caleb McConnell is likely to miss this game. 
which should lead to increased usage for Cam Spencer. So the last game Caleb McConnell missed was their most recent performance against Wisconsin. And in that game, Cam Spencer had 30.8 fantasy points, which sounds decent, right? Like 30.8, we'll take that out of a guy in the 7K range any day of the week. Now, let me tell you these facts also. That game had 115 points scored because Wisconsin plays rock fights. And in that game, Spencer had the most shot attempts that he had had in over a month, which is a sign of things to come if Caleb McConnell continues to miss that Cam Spencer is going to get to shoot the ball just a little bit more. So I definitely think everything is trending in the right direction for Cam Spencer, given that McConnell's going to miss and open up some shots, given that the game should score more than 115 points. I also think Paul Mulcahy could benefit as well, which brings me to my next plays in the 6K range. Keon Menefield for Washington is starting to ascend to be the guy for that team. He has over 29 fantasy points in three of his last four games. His usage rate has gone through the roof in those last four games. And I'll be honest, Cal is a worse defensive team than all four of those teams. So I think this is an absolute smash spot for Keon Menefield, and I don't mind paying to put him into my lineup, even with his price tag ascending to where it's at now. Speaking of ascending price tags, Jaden Epps of Illinois. He's been pretty good since Terrence Shannon Jr. has been out, but he has now risen to a price that I'm not willing to pay. He would have to show me a little bit more in terms of usage and in terms of production to be willing to pay for him in the 6K range. The last guy in the 6K range that I do want to mention is Elijah McCadden of Memphis. He is a super safe play. He would be like the cash game lock of the night. He has over 21 fancy points in six straight games. He had 20 fancy points last time against Wichita. Just a super consistent performer. He's going to be a part of the offense with or without Kendrick Davis, uh, and I have no problem playing him in any format, but I think he is best suited for cash games. Now heading down to the 5K range, we don't yet really know if Jet Howard of Michigan is going to miss this game. If he does miss this game, I think that Kobe Bufkin gets a little bit of a boost, and I think that Doug McDaniel gets a big boost as the leading assist guy outside of Jet Howard and outside of Kobe Bufkin. So I think Doug McDaniel could be in for a big night in terms of assists and shots if Jet Howard is out of the lineup. Luke O'Brien of Colorado has been super consistent in place of injured teammate Javon Hadley. He's got 24 fantasy points in three straight games, and we'll take that out of a guy in the 5K range any day of the week. Now, the Ohio State point guard situation. This is like... The one situation in college basketball that I just can't quit. Like, there's value to be had here. They played a decent tempo. You know, there's, there's all kinds of guys at the four position that they can get assists from. And, you know, they're not bad players. Like, I just think that these guys should all be more productive and fancy than they are. And so the guys that are leading candidates, like, in terms of minutes at the guard spot for Ohio State right now, Bruce Thornton has seen a majority of the minutes at the one, and Sean McNeil is seeing a majority of the minutes at the two. And I think that they're even more intriguing than I'm normally intrigued by them because of the absence of Zed Key. Like, there's extra shot attempts to go around because Zed Key is not playing, and I don't think that there's going to be a magical guy that they insert into the lineup that's going to take all of them. So um, I just think that there's an extra usage opportunity for the guards for Ohio State, and it's either going to be Thornton or McNeil, and I just don't think I can quit this situation now after I have been talking about it all season long. Now heading down to the 4K range, RJ Melendez of Illinois. I kind of gave him crap on the Monday episode because he did not play well on Saturday. And, and look, side note also, I'm never going to come on here and like absolutely like rip a college kid because, you know, like I coach high school guys. I wouldn't appreciate somebody saying something like that to one of my guys. So I'm going to try to not come on here and like rip guys. But I think that, you know, what, what I said about RJ Melendez was accurate. He just didn't play well against Indiana. And I don't think that like that's objectively a wrong thing to say. And he really bounced back against Minnesota. It was a really surprising performance. He had 32 minutes 
and he played, or well, let me rephrase. He had 27.3 fantasy points in playing 32 minutes. Those were season highs in both categories, minutes and fantasy points for RJ Melendez. And he seems to be the guy who's going to be the biggest beneficiary from Terrence Shannon Jr. being out aside from Matthew Mayer. And so I think that there is a spot for RJ Melendez in our lineups if he can keep it up. I'm not saying he's going to, but I'm saying that that performance could be indicative of something to come. Washington's Corin Johnson is also in this range. He has back-to-back fantasy performances of over 22 fantasy points per game. Absolutely okay with that. Great matchup against Cal, who is very bad at basketball. Demario Franklin is the last guy in the 4K range to talk about. He is the primary beneficiary of Kendrick Davis missing the game if he does. He would be close to a lock, in my opinion, if Kendrick Davis does miss this game. He had 21 fantasy points in 23 minutes against Houston on Sunday. Against Houston. It's one of the best defenses in the nation, one of the best teams in the nation. And Demario Franklin put 21 fantasy points in 23 minutes against him. It's almost a fantasy point a minute, which is really, really good, especially at the guard position. Now, in the 3K range, one guy worth mentioning is Joey Baker. If Jet Howard misses, Joey Baker is the guy who is going to be the beneficiary. He had 18 fantasy points in 19 minutes against Michigan State about a fantasy point per minute. And he also had 19 fantasy points against Purdue the last game that Jet Howard missed against Purdue, y'all. It's a good defensive team, plays with a really slow tempo, and he still put up 19 fantasy points against them. Between Kendrick Davis and Jet Howard, if one of the two of them miss, it's going to open up a major value play in Demaria Franklin or Joey Baker. All right, so that does it for the guard position. Let's go ahead and take a quick breather, and then let's break down the big fellas. All right, at the top of the board, at the fourth position, is Memphis's DeAndre Williams, which if you did not know, He's 26 years old. They tend to go out of their way to say that on every Memphis broadcast, and it's kind of starting to annoy me. But, hey, anyway, it is what it is. He's really good at basketball. He is also cooling off, though. He had a super hot streak in January, and he's kind of cooling off a bit. But I'm willing to forgive it. He didn't play well against South Florida, and he didn't play well against Houston. Those are two teams that are good defensively, played a massively slow tempo, and they're good rebounding teams. So I'm willing to write it off as just bad matchups and appreciate the dip that we got in price before this game. Because last game against Wichita, DeAndre Williams had 59.3 fantasy points. 59.3. So I would absolutely be willing to go back to him, and I will take the discount that we're getting in price because of those last two bad matchup spots that Williams had. Now, speaking of price dips, this is the cheapest price that we've seen for Hunter Dickinson all season long. However, I think it's a pretty tough matchup against Clifford or Marugi in Rutgers. Um, these are two really good centers that are going to be going at it in Dickinson and Amaruyi. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, but what I think, though, and I said this about Dickinson when they played Purdue— I don't think Omaruyi likes being out on the perimeter a whole lot. And Michigan has a lot of stuff in their offense where they bring Dickinson out to the perimeter and use him as like kind of like a Nikola Jokic type or a Joel Embiid type where they're getting him involved in dribble handoffs. You know, they're using him as a ball screen where he slips it or he fades it. And there's just all kinds of options to get Omaruyi out of the paint. And I think that this could actually be a sneaky good spot for Dickinson. Even though Omarui is good at defense and he's a good rebounder, I think it could be sneaky for Dickinson because he will pull him out of the paint. Now, both Wichita forwards, Rojas and Poto, had over 25 fantasy points against Memphis the last time these two teams played. Memphis is not a great rebounding team, so I think both of those guys could take advantage. Poto more specifically than Rojas, even though Rojas did outscore Poto by three fantasy points the first time these two teams played. Bryce Sensabaugh of Ohio State, very talented freshman, and he saw an incredible usage rate 
in the first game without Zed Key. He had 30.3 fantasy points against Purdue, which pretty tough defense, y'all, Purdue. And he had 16 shots in that game, which is the second highest total that he's had for shot attempts in a game all season long. So I definitely think that this usage could continue without Zed Key. I think it is a better matchup going against a very undersized Penn State team, even though Sensiball is not that tall himself. Uh, I think it's just a better spot for him than the Purdue game was, and I think he could absolutely give us that return on investment. Andre Hyatt of Rutgers has been a guy that I have been kind of following recently. Um, he's been over 23 fantasy points in his last three games, which is significant because those have all three been the games without Mawat Mag in the lineup. Caleb McConnell missing the game could also open up some shots for him as well. I think this is a really good spot for Andre Hyatt. Now heading down to the 5K range. So we have targeted offensive rebounders against Washington and Syracuse all year long. It's just a great spot for going up against the 2-3 zone to be able to, you know, have an offensive rebounder because that's generally what happens against 2-3 zone. Now, for Cal, if anybody does that, it'll most likely be Lars Thibon. He is Cal's leader in offensive rebound percentage, according to Ken Palm, by quite a wide margin. Now, another guy that could potentially do that is Kawani Kawani. He said over five rebounds in his last three games, um, so that could be worth noting as well. And then another guy for Cal that has been really seeing the usage in the last three games is Grant Newell with Dewan Clayton, Clayton out of the lineup. Um, there's just been a void of shots, really, since Devin Askew has been out of the lineup as well. There's just been a void of shots for Cal. Like there, There's a lot of guys that are not scorers that are going to have to be scorers. And so you know their best score right now is looking like Grant Newell. So maybe he is a guy to target going up against the 2-3 zone. Maybe he gets hot from the perimeter. Maybe he's the guy that they put in the high post to operate against the zone. I don't know. But I definitely think that there's a little bit of upside to be had with these Cal guys going up against the 2-3 zone. Now, also in the 5K range, I could see a big game coming out of USC's Joshua Morgan. For whatever reason, Colorado gets their shots blocked a lot. I don't really know why, but it is a thing that happens. According to Ken Palm, their offense is 326th in block percentage. That means that out of the 363 teams in Division One, their possession ends on a block about 37th in the nation, if you want to inverse that stat. So they get blocked about the 37th most out of all 363 teams in Division One. You would think that there's some mid-majors out there. They're just really undersized, that really struggle at the rim, that would be like way ahead in that category. But we got a Power 5 team, Colorado, who is near the top. So um, anyway, back to my original point. Joshua Morgan had four blocks in the first game against Colorado, and he had 30.5 fantasy points in that game against Colorado. Now, speaking of that first USC-Colorado game, Colorado went big in that game and played Lawson Lovering quite a lot. He is their only true five. He is the only guy that can really match size with Joshua Morgan, and he had 36.5 fantasy points in that game. And so if Colorado employs the same strategy and tries to get a lot of minutes out of Lovering, I think he could be in for a big performance in this one as well. Now, in the 4K range as well, which Lovering is, Ben Carlson of Utah has been really solid. He's gotten four times value in three of his last four games. And then the last four to talk about is Felix Okpara of Ohio State. He is the main beneficiary of the minutes vacated by Zed Key. He does not have a high usage rate. He is not used in the same role in the offense as Zed Key was, but he is out there playing minutes which is worth something because if you're playing minutes, you can luck into some rebounds, you can luck into some assists, and every now and then you're going to luck into a layup. And, and I think that he's a guy that if he just gets minutes, he can give you solid production. He had 15.5 fantasy points in 16 minutes against Purdue. 
And so I definitely think that if he keeps up that same rate, one fantasy point per minute, he can give you a good return on your investment. So that does it for our analysis of the four position, and that does it for our analysis of this Thursday night slate. If you want to see how we took all this information and put it into our DFS lineups, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. The picks have actually been running pretty solid this week. I haven't had a whole lot of huge caches, but the picks have been solid enough of a core that people have been able to um, have some caches and have some success this week on DraftKings and FanDuel. All right, so make sure that you stay tuned the rest of the week. We will be dropping for the Friday night slate and the Saturday slate of college basketball as well. If you want to know when we drop our new episodes, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And while you're there, please rate and review the podcast. It really does help me out a lot. All right, that's all I got for this Thursday night slate, y'all. Best of luck to everybody on their DFS endeavors. Hopefully I gave you guys plenty of information, plenty of plays that you can use here on this slate. Thank you guys for listening and I will see y'all next time.